In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it, neither can it overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone came into the world, Jesus. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a man's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Son of God, the resurrection and bread of life, the beginning and the end, the all-sufficient Savior, the healer and redeemer of mankind, the light, the way, the one, Jesus. Inside I doubt that you still
it is finished. His final words, it is finished. As we stood in a mix of terror, awe, loss, and adoration, the darkness fell. A darkness no one had ever experienced, anticipated, or imagined before. A darkness that fell so heavy, our bodies weighted down in sorrow. But there, as the night went on, deep down was a flicker of light, a hope. To begin, it was just a spark, just close enough to see, but far enough away that we couldn't quite grip. And I didn't understand why it was there. But gradually, as the night began to turn to day, the spark grew inside of me. Words he spoke began floating around in my mind, his voice filling my ears. His being began to feel closer and closer by the minute. My saddened heart began to be lifted up for moments in time, looking to where I knew he went. But then, as the night went on, and as the day rolled into another, the tears kept streaming. The emptiness just felt so real and so unending. Like the space he left, so tangible and so unfillable. What were we to do now? Who were we to follow? We knew this was coming, but yet it felt so sudden and so final. Just like he said, it is finished. Those words were heart-wrenching and life-giving, all at the same time. How? Why? What is happening? These questions just swirled as our world, as we have learned to live it, came crashing down around us. Jesus, the one who saw me as no one else ever had, the one who gave me another chance, the one who reached out and pulled me from this pit of despair that I had fallen into. The one, the selfless one, who had given all for us. Was he truly gone? The number three means wholeness, divine wholeness, complete perfection. Three, he always told us in three days, but this morning, on the third day, I could have never dreamt or imagined that I would see what I saw or hear what I heard. I, I ran to his grave, longing just to be beside him. But what I found was something so very different. The tomb empty. I searched, I panicked, and I wept. It was my name he spoke. It was me he showed himself to. It was him. I didn't know it at first, but as he said my name like no one else could, I knew. Did you hear? On the third day, the day of perfection, he was made whole. His mission complete. Perfection became reality. Did you hear? 
did you hear? When we were told he was gone, we ran to the tomb. Before Mary had finished speaking, our feet were moving as fast as we could will them to go. Uh, John and I. Now he reached the tomb first to have a look, and then I went inside. Jesus, he was, he was gone. Yet, his linen clothes not. I mean, they were removed and put aside. He wasn't stolen. He hadn't been declothed and moved. He had risen. He told us it would happen. He knew all of it. Everything, everything that would happen to him and everything that would happen to us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. I was a faithful follower, always by his side. In my mind, I would die with him. I would live for him and I would die for him. And yet, he knew I would deny him. Even in my denial, my, my failures, my shortcomings, he yet again chose me in his resurrection. <laughs> I may never truly understand why he chose me. I mean, the first time I didn't feel worthy, I didn't feel able, I didn't feel adequate, but he chose me. And here, yet again, he came for me. I mean, I, I saw him. He truly lives again. Jesus, our rabbi, just as he said, died and rose again on the third day. And as he rose, he came for us to comfort us. I mean, to give us what we needed. Always loving, always forgiving, always comforting. That's our Jesus. He was hung on a tree to die for us. He was resurrected to live for us. Our Jesus, our Jesus. Did you hear? He lives again. Jesus 
I honestly don't even know where to start. Today was a day like nothing we had ever experienced. Or even imagined before. When we set out this morning, life was heavy, sad, confusing. Everything we thought we had come to know, we began to question. <laughs> but now, everything is lighter and clearer than it's ever been. My, I, our eyes have been opened wider than they ever could before. We knew Jesus was special. We knew he had said he would do things, great things. But we didn't truly understand what it all meant until now. When he appeared, our eyes, they were so blinded that we didn't even realize. It was him standing right before us. He questioned why we had questioned what others had seen, why we didn't understand or believe. He explained things in a way that changed our perspective. He taught us there as we walked. He spent the time opening our eyes and hearts. Have you ever felt like there's something just holding you back or stopping you from succeeding or being happy? Well, that's exactly how it was for us as we walked down that road. I mean, we had some pieces to the puzzle, but we were missing the most crucial piece and without it, we couldn't be free. We thought we had experienced Jesus. I mean, after all this time, we had seen him do miracles. We heard him talk and teach. We saw and believed. But our lives were still missing something and without all the pieces to the puzzle, our lives couldn't truly be changed. Understanding Jesus and his resurrection, that was the missing puzzle piece. Once we finally allowed ourselves to experience him and his resurrection, our blinders, they, they fell off. And we saw him, Jesus, in the flesh, with us all that time, having risen after three days just like he said he would. He sat and he broke bread with us and he broke us free of all that kept our eyes closed. Then, once we understood, believed, truly knew, he disappeared. But he came for us, to show us and help us. Jesus, the very Jesus who just three days ago hung crucified on the cross. <laughs> Did you hear? He lives, he lives, he loves, he forgives, he lives again. He is, he is our living hope. So what did Jesus come to teach us? He gave us the final puzzle piece. You don't have to see to believe, but you do have to believe to see. How many of these guys done so good so far? It's been... I know that I had to like get up here and like talk a little bit. I'm thinking I got to control myself from crying because how am I supposed to talk if I'm crying? It's been amazing. It's easy to celebrate Jesus, isn't it? It's easy to celebrate someone who has always been so good. There's never been a moment in any of our lives where he hasn't been with us, seen us, known us, met us. And you know, I can remember years ago when I was about 10 years old, uh, my parents uh, forced me actually to have a paper route. Uh, I was a rather irresponsible child and uh, my parents forced me. They thought it would be good. First, they put me in hockey and realized that didn't work. And then they figured if hockey didn't work, surely getting a job is going to fix this kid's life. And I can remember when I, you know, got this paper route. I remember sitting in the classes and 
going through the different things, and finally I remember getting my paper route. I was so glad. I had, you know, the little punch cards, and I would get the papers delivered to the end of my driveway. I felt as though I had this amazing purpose. Now, I was amazing at delivering papers. That's not true. I was decent at delivering papers. I can actually remember at one point when I was delivering papers, our route was supposed to happen so that we delivered by 6 a.m. And the poor people on my paper route, like they were lucky if they got them at 3.30 in the afternoon because it was just, I was 10 and I was not gonna wake up at five o'clock in the morning to deliver papers. So I was okay at delivering papers, but I was horrible at collecting, okay? I was horrible. I can remember sometimes going because my parents would force me to go collect because I'm pretty sure they were like picking up the tab. So if you lived in my neighborhood, you got free papers thanks to my parents. So I can remember any time that my parents would force me to go out because they were just sick of covering me. Uh, sometimes it would be, you know, I would go collecting and people would owe me like $140 for papers because they had been getting free papers for the last six months. And so I was amazing at, at delivering papers, but horrible at collecting to the place where I'm pretty sure I, I, they either forced me. I don't know if they, you can fire a 10-year-old, but I'm pretty sure the Niagara Falls Review fired me because I was the worst delivery guy. Or my parents just told me they fired me to try again, teach me another great lesson. <laughs> but I eventually got to the place where my paper route was so far gone that there really was no resurrection. And I, I eventually had to just give up my paper route. I was actually happy. It sounds sad, but I was really happy because I didn't want to deliver anyways. And you know, maybe this morning you find yourself here and you've never, maybe you've never had a paper route. Maybe you've never gone through an experience like this. But one of the things that I'm sure of is, is that each and every one of us, as we sit here on this Resurrection Sunday, I know for certain that for every single one of us, there are things in our past, things in our life that maybe this morning as you sit here feel as though it's just too far gone. Situations, disappointments, past failures, issues, problems physically, emotionally, in relationships, we all sit here this morning in need of, like my parents did, someone to pick up the tab, someone to step in because I'm really at the end of myself and there's nothing that I can do to further affect change in this situation. Maybe you sit here and you feel like, yeah, there's multiple areas of my life like this paper route where I feel like there's just nowhere to go from here. Maybe it's your dreams that you once had. Maybe it was a business that you started that seems as though it's falling apart. Whatever it is this morning, we've all faced situations just like this. We've all experienced moments in our life where things didn't go the way we expected them to go. You know, as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday on these mornings, we, you know, it takes me back to the scripture in Mark chapter 14, where really what's happening here is that Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. We know after the Passover meal, he goes into the garden and takes his three best friends with him because he's going to pray. Jesus at this point knows exactly what's going to happen to him. On what we would say is Friday, Jesus goes into the garden because he understands what the next three days of his life are going to look like. And we know that through the funny different things that happen that, you know, the disciples, they fall asleep multiple times. And Jesus has this moment of anguish where he prays to the father, you know, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, let it pass. 
Fast forward in the story a little bit, we know that Judas enters the scene and kisses Jesus. And we know this is the symbolism that he tells the guards, that the, the one that is the Jesus, the one that is this, this man who's inciting what they thought was this rebellion. I'll kiss him, I'll address him as rabbi, and this is the one you'll go after. This plays out exactly the way Judas was expecting. And we read in Mark chapter 14 that it says that the disciples scatter. They scatter. These men that at one point it was their life, their livelihood. It was Jesus was the Messiah. He was the reason for their existence. He was their purpose. He was their priority. This Jesus who was going to come, who was going to turn the tables, who was going to set things right, and in one moment, in a flash, Jesus is gone. You know, we could feel like this all the time. We feel as though we've got life, you know, grabbing life by the horns. We've, we've got it. We've got it figured out. And so often in our lives, we come to these moments and we face situations where things just don't go the way they were supposed to go. I don't know how many times I've said that. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't know what's going on. It wasn't supposed to be this way. And this is my, a way that I imagine it is this is the, the anguish that the disciples are experiencing as they scatter. And really, as I thought about it, they scatter, not because they didn't love Jesus, but because it was over. The disciples who lived in the culture would have understood that when you get taken by the Roman guards, I mean, it doesn't go well from this point on. They've seen it. They've walked past the crucifixions. They've experienced what happens when a man is taken and they're faced in this moment where their Messiah is now gone. The plan, the purpose, the executor, the chief, the king, the captain has now been taken. The promise is now gone. You know, you read the same thing if you read back in Jesus' life in, uh, with Mary and Martha. You know, we know the story about Jesus, and he gets word that Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus, he gets word that he's sick, and essentially he's going to die. And Mary and Martha are frantic, and they desire him to come. And we see it again, the same story of, of when we're talking about Jesus through his whole life. We experience these moments where Jesus is absolutely unfazed by things that are happening around him. You see the disciples run and Mary and Martha cry, but Jesus is absolutely unfazed by what he's about to experience. You see, when I think about the lives of the disciples, I realize that they weren't running out of disbelief. They weren't running out of anger or frustration. They were simply running because the plan that they thought was supposed to happen, I guess, is just not happening any longer. But then we encounter these moments with Jesus. You know, Jesus was an amazing guy in the sense that he was never moved by anything natural. Did you ever notice that? That he, I love how the story goes with Mary and Martha. You know, we know that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus because it says multiple times in their discourse how much he loved them. But I think it's so funny how when you read the story about Mary and Martha, 
it says that Jesus gets word of what is happening, that Lazarus is sick, and they say it's unto death. Like, this is it. This is the end of the road for him. It's, this is the end. And it says that Jesus gets word, and he stays where he is two days longer. You know, like if this was me, I'm thinking like, I love these people. And so I need to like, we need to get on the road now and we need to run. But that's not the way that Jesus responds. In fact, if you go through the scriptures, Jesus is absolutely unmoved by any negative report he receives in the natural. It's as if the worse the situation is, the more calmly he responds. I mean, we see it in his life all the time, in every situation, whether it's a sick guy, a dead guy, a blind guy, an angry guy, a demon-possessed guy, whether it's thousands of people that need food. I mean, whatever the situation is that Jesus faces, it's as though, yeah, I don't know, just, you know, oh, you need to pay for taxes? Uh, yeah, you just go fishing. And then the fish that you catch in its mouth is going to be enough money for you to pay. I mean, come on, that's strange. But you know, I began to realize something in the pattern of Jesus and why we celebrate Jesus isn't because it's the right religious thing to do. Although any guy who's died for us is worth our honor, we celebrate Jesus because he is the answer that we are looking for. You know what I've realized in my own life is I am the most familiar with my own weaknesses. Is this true? I mean, this is kind of a guy thing, right? And, and ladies, maybe you guys face the same thing. I'm not really sure. But I know for sure from a guy's perspective that my entire life could be absolutely falling apart. I mean, like every single thing could be going wrong. But if my wife comes up to me and asks me, hey, babe, how are you? I'm like, oh, yeah, babe. I'm like, I'm awesome. Like... <laughs> Oh, I'm not, no, I'm, I'm totally, oh, we are totally good. You want to, oh yeah, you could buy that thing for sure. Like we are great. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I know my own weakness. Right. I know my own frailty. I know the thoughts that I go to bed and think. I know the struggles that I face. But Jesus is absolutely unfazed by these things. And so the reason I celebrate him this morning is for a multitude of reasons. But this morning I celebrate Jesus because I don't have to have hope in myself. You know, if it was up to me, pretty much my whole life would look like that paper route. You know, like underpaid, uh, lots of problems, lots of angry people around me, and eventually, like my whole life would look this way. But I'm so thankful this morning as we celebrate a resurrected Savior that I don't have to hope in myself that when I come to the end of myself, it's not the end. When I come to the end of myself, it's the beginning of Jesus. And Jesus is the one who is absolutely unfazed by any problem that I may be having. And so when we celebrate Jesus this morning, I'm not celebrating him because it's the right thing to do. I'm celebrating Jesus this morning because he's absolutely changed my life. That he stepped into impossible situations and he's spoken life into things that I would never think could possibly live. You see, this morning as we celebrate Jesus, our living hope, he is just that. He is the one that we hope in. 
He's the one when I step back and realize I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to know how to figure everything out. That I'm not hoping in a church or a cause. I'm not hoping in a figure or some distant, far-off, angry Lord. But this morning as we celebrate Jesus, we're hoping in our best friend. We're hoping in a God who was willing to make himself flesh and dwell among us, who was willing to forsake the glory of heaven simply because he loved us so much. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures goes like this. It said, if, G- if God was willing to put Jesus on the cross, if he was willing to go all the way to the very extreme and give what would be his most prized possession, the Bible says, if he would go so far as to do that, what would he not do? And so I'm not hoping in some idea. I'm not hoping in some ideology. I'm hoping in the Jesus who raises the dead. I'm hoping in the Jesus who fed the 5,000. I'm hoping the Jesus who I watch transform lives and situations and raise families and resurrect relationships. We hope this morning in a God who has always been and will forever be our living hope. Did you hear? He said we're free. It's over. He said it's over. Finished. Did you hear? He's paid the price. He set us free. Listen. Did you hear? The Prince of Peace has called you by name. Hung, crucified, there on the cross. Yet in his pain and suffering, his grace so sufficient, he forgave. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. He died, but yet he lives again. Death could not hold him down. His strength, his grace, his love, his forgiveness, his courage, his wisdom, his faith, who he is all for us. He He is our our living living hope. The work is finished, the end. 
world is written in Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of Step down from glory to win us and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, and I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living Lord. And hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ.
Amen. So ushers, we started passing it out. You could pass out the communion. As we hold this communion in our hands, we remember. We remember what Jesus did for us. We remember that he reached down and rescued us. We remember that God, from the very beginning, he loved us so much that when Adam and Eve fell, God got busy making a plan in order for us to be redeemed unto him. And so as we hold these elements in our hand, it's not just a little wafer and a small glass of juice. It's a remembrance of the covenant that Jesus paid his life to give us. It's a reminder to us that we have been set free. We have been delivered. We have been changed. And all we have to do, the Bible says, is we've been given the name that's above every name. And it's the name of Jesus. And if we would simply just call on the name the Bible promises us that he hears us he'll reach down from heaven and rescue us and so maybe as we just bow our heads really quickly if you're here this morning and you don't know this Jesus maybe you find yourself here you're sitting in these rows and you know you're far from him that it's been a while since you've been in relationship with him I'm just gonna pray a quick prayer before we take communion and and all the prayer is is us just gonna sit back and say Jesus I'm just giving you my life once again so let's just have everybody repeat this after me say Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father. thank you for Jesus Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for me. This morning, I declare Jesus is my Lord and Savior, that I receive the price that he paid for me, that he took my sin and gave me his righteousness. This morning, I choose. Jesus, it's your way. It's your plans. In Jesus' name, amen. Now as we take this cup in our hands, we remember the covenant. We remember the word says that he was broken, he was bleeding, he was crucified. He was beaten for us. That when he hung on that cross and declared it is finished, he spoke a prophetic word over our lives that every situation we would find ourselves in that he has already won the victory for us. It says that he's been given the name above every name. He's been given the keys to hell, death, and the grave. That he's been given all authority and all power. And as we receive this communion, we're taking on this covenant. We're reminding ourselves of the good things that he did for us. So when you're ready, you can partake of the cup. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.